Welcome into episode 84 of the Gump Runners podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. Uh, J-Law will be on with us here in a little bit, but uh, me and Lester are going to go ahead and start it. Three things, three more topics we're covering tonight as Alabama continues fall practice um, and, uh, and and come up on its second scrimmage of the uh, of four that they have in fall camp. They'll have another one next weekend, and then the final one the week before the season kicks off against Middle Tennessee State on September 2nd. Um, just continuing to go over our, our positional breakdowns tonight, we're going to cover what would be the last of our positional breakdowns. We've covered quarterback and the entire defense. We did the defense last week. So tonight we've also done receivers tonight. We're going to go offensive line and running backs. Um, we'll let you know. And, you know, it's, it's a position it's two positions with less question marks than some of the ones that we've covered so far, but still some, some, Spots to be taken, so to speak. There's a lot of competition going on at these two spots um, on the offense. So, Lester, we're going to uh, we're going to start with the offensive line, and it's pretty easy to see that the middle to right side of the offensive line is is already set. With uh, Seth McLaughlin, who came in second half of the Iron Bowl back in 2021 and um, never really relinquished the position back to Darian Dalcourt. Uh, you know, he um, he does a great job of, of communicating with with the offense. You, you, you saw the the number of delay game penalties and false starts severely decline once he came into the game and. He might not be the most physical presence right there in the middle of the offensive line, but centers more about communicating with, with your quarterback, with your other linemen, and just kind of being the captain of the offensive line. And uh, that's kind of Seth's spot all year. This is pretty easy to see. He's a senior. He's bolted up. Saban, Saban really likes him. He's talking talking a lot about him here in the media this week. And then, um, you know, the right side. You got Tyler Booker, and you got J.C. Latham. Um, Lester, first question is, is it a little surprising to you that J.C. Latham did not move from right tackle to left? Um, I think if that's what the guy's comfortable at, you know, you leave him there. And also, I think that means that Caden Proctor is a dog and is going to cement himself day one as a freshman in that position for sure. With Latham, because you know you typically you want your you know your best tackle to defend to protect the backside, but if Latham is you know if he's good there if he's comfortable there on the right side, and you have an elite guy to step into that left tackle position, I say yeah, leave Latham there, if Proctor can seal the job, and I think that he will. Yeah, usually, you know, you, you see these young guys come in and they play on the right side early in their career at Alabama, and then as soon as that that left tackle that's been there for a couple of years goes pro or or graduates, you see that stud move from right tackle to left tackle. We saw that with Cam Robinson and a couple of others, uh, a couple of other big time tackles that have uh, that have come to play at Alabama, and gone on to get drafted. So it is a little weird to me to see JC stay on that right side. Maybe they really want him working with Tyler Booker. That's another another thing. They they work really well together and um were there all year last year and and maybe Booker is, is more comfortable on the right side as well. Um maybe that's something that Tommy Reese had input in. You know, we, we don't really know. But I do think that's a little that's a little odd to see. But um Lester, 
the left side of the line, left guard and left tackle. That's kind of where that's kind of where our uh where our debate can kind of come in. You just mentioned Caden Proctor. Um, you think he's gonna come in and start? Tell me why that is, and also tell me who who you're gonna slide into that left guard position. Yeah, I just think that you know. Proctor is going to be, once again, um, included in that long line of freshmen who come in, start, and dominate right away. I mean, the guy was a five-star, prototypical tackle. I mean, I believe he's going to be a three-and-done guy, and we have guys like that. They have got to come in. They've got to play, get all you can out of this guy because he's going to be a first-round pick in you know a couple of years. Um, and beside him, I'm going to go with um, a little bit more of a veteran guy. Um, I'm going to say Terrence Ferguson at guard. Um, like I said, year three for this guy. Um, he's got to put together at some point. So um, there's been a lot of buzz around him in camp. Um, a lot of guys liking how he's progressed and got better. So I believe it's going to be Caden Proctor and Terrence Ferguson um, on that uh, left side. You know, I had that same thing written down. And at the left tackle, I had Proctor slash Pritchett, Elijah Pritchett. He's kind of been snake bit ever since he came on or came in as a as a freshman. I think he tore his peck last year and um really, really sidelined him for a long time. And as an offensive lineman, man, you, you gotta have that. You gotta be able to bench press and get get people off of you and keep people off of you. Yeah. Um, and then now, you know, he he's kind of dealing with a tweaked up ankle a little bit. Uh, I know at a media viewing, he he went through individual drills. But whenever they went 11 on 11, he was not present. He was kind of – he went to the locker room and kind of stayed on the sidelines. He didn't do any 11 on 11 stuff. So that's a little concerning, and you hate that for him because I think he's a special talent as well. I think that that's a guy that they were trying to slot in, that they had they had pegged for that left tackle position. And um, I think part of it is, like you said, Proctor's coming in and doing a fantastic job, but I think also the injury buzz kind of getting to him. Um which is good because, you know, it did create competition. But I think Caden Proctor does take over that left tackle spot as well. And then the left guard, Terrence Ferguson, uh, everybody's really been raving about him. And and uh, and and so I, I think hopefully, you know, we, Lester, we always had this problem with Nick Saban. One of his downfalls has been so few. But one of them is that he always has a soft spot for the seniors, you know, because he's I guess he's had so many people. Yeah early or whatever yeah so what's your opinion on Darian Dalcourt you know he's a guy that's been there he's been a two-year starter been kind of subbed in and out you know he's been benched a couple of times so do you think any the the switch flips for him and he locks down the left guard position do you think that Saban finally gives in and goes with the the better talent over the senior well um I have here in my notes um how much I like Booker and actually I have Dalcourt slotted behind Booker on the right side. But I think that, you know, with Dalcourt being there, you know, if one of the young guys, Booker or, you know, whoever, if Ferguson doesn't have his act together, you have that solid guy right there behind him, you know, whether it's penalties, injuries, or whatever to knock down, you know, anybody on that offensive line, even McLaughlin, you know, if he goes down, you know, Dalcourt has experience at center. Um, I, I I think that if I'm Nick Saban, I play the most talented guys and kind of ride them out, you know, because they're going to get better as the season goes on. That That's how these things happen. They're going to get better. But if anything were to happen, 
then you have a nice, solid backup. You don't have a question mark there as to who can fill in. So, um, yeah, I, I think that Dalcourt may be the most valuable, you know, one of the most valuable offense line that we have simply because of that versatility. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you and- know, if I, if I play the most uh, talented guys and you have Dalcourt ready to go at a heartbeat if need be. And everybody knows what – it's no secret what Tommy Reese wants to do. You know, you heard Tyler Booker talking to the media the other day. He wants to come in. He wants to run the football. He wants to establish the ground game. And I think in order to do that, not you, you just – you made the comment of, you know, playing the best player, the most talented player. You might have to play the most physical because when it – you know, yeah. it, that's what you want to do. And Terrence Ferguson is going to bring you more physicality to your offensive line then you kind of have to go with that. And Dalcourt has always been kind of a finesse guy. I think McLaughlin is already a finesse guy, even though he has maybe gotten a little bigger and stronger. But right. I think if you have one of those out of five, then you can get away with it. You can kind of hide it and chip with, you know, help him or, or whatever. If he's got a nose tackle in the three, four or four, two, five, you know, let him chip and work to the second level. But I think if you have two out of five, especially at the center and guard, that can really – two finesse guys, I think that can really hurt your offense if your plan is to run the ball straight ahead, which I think, you know, Alabama's going to get more – or get back to that a little bit more than they have the last couple of years. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, J-Law is joining us now. Um, we're talking about the offensive line, J-Law. We talked how – um, Seth, Booker, and Latham kind of had the middle to the right side kind of locked down. But what are your thoughts on the left side? Who do you think takes over at left tackle and left guard this year? Yeah, I completely agree with both of y'all. I just think, man, you got to play the guy with the highest ceiling. I mean, I know you don't have a lot of time to let anybody kind of grow into their shoes and, and grow into being a really good player because Texas is weak too, but – I just think back, and we talked about this over the last few years with Latham coming in and not playing immediately as a five-star. Dude, we've seen five-star offensive tackles come in and play day one. Jonah Williams, Cam Robinson, and yeah, they may struggle a little bit, but the rest of the offensive line was good enough to make up for those struggles to where when Cam Robinson had four games under his belt, he might as well have been in the middle of his sophomore year. So I fully expect – I think this is just me. By the middle of the year, I think your best five offensive linemen, especially on the left side, let's go left tackle, left guard, that's Proctor and Ferguson. We know what Dalcourt is. He is softer. He likes – he's much better in pass protection than he is run blocking. And with Tommy Reese, man, this guy wants to run the football. This offensive line wants to run the football. And I think you can get away with Seth, your center – being a little bit less physical. We've seen that with Barrett Jones. He can play with his brain a little bit, outsmart guys, make all the checks. That's so important. But at guard, man, I need you to pull out. I need you to find the hole. And I need you to meet the guy in it and, and spread some room for your running back. And I think that Ferguson probably gives you the best chance to do that right now. And, hey, they're even talking about Elijah Pritchett with the opportunity to move over to guard if Cade Proctor's good enough at tackle. Definitely like, like Proctor at tackle. I like Ferguson right now at guard, and like you said, the middle and the right side of that offensive line is pretty much set. J-Lo, a question that I asked Lester before you hopped on here was, J.C. Latham staying on the right side, and and we've seen freshmen or young guys come in and play right tackle, and then whenever a guy graduates or goes to the NFL, they swap, they slide him over to the left side to protect, to protect the quarterback's blind side. 
that didn't happen with JC, at least so far. He he's still working on that right side with Tyler Booker. Booker, is that something that surprises you? Or is that something that you can that that you know you kind of saw coming? Yeah, it does surprise me because I think when you're a guy like JC Latham, you take pride in protecting the quarterback's blind side. So even when he didn't play last year at left tackle and, and Steen came in and you know, and a lot of people thought that he would have been much better suited to play guard regardless. Um, you know, um, you kind of felt like that Latham may be able to move over to that left side and they'll find somebody to play the right side. But, heck, if, if Latham is way more comfortable at playing right tackle and feels really comfortable with a guy that I believe he went to IMG with right beside him and Tyler Booker, if those guys are comfortable playing there, you leave them there, especially if you have faith in – the left side of the offensive line. And that's why you recruit a Caden Proctor. That's why you recruit a Ferguson, who was the number one interior offensive lineman a few years ago. I know he wasn't ranked a five-star, but very few IOLs are. But if you're number one, to me, you're a five-star. You're the best in America at your position. Um, if you feel comfortable with those guys, you probably don't want to shake it up too much. But, yeah, I was surprised that, you know, J.C. didn't move over and potentially let Caden Proctor play that right tackle spot to get his feet wet without putting the quarterback's backside on the line. If you're an NFL GM, does that hurt his draft stock any? If if this guy, you know, stays on the right side and you want to draft him in the first round, which, you know, that's what Latham is projected, um, I, I would assume he'd be one of the top tackles off the board. But since he's never played there, you know, a lot of guys don't take right tackles in the first round. You want that left tackle, got to have it – got to protect my quarterback unless you're, you know, a Dolphins GM and, and you know, a Tua, and then you got to have a, a a right tackle doing the same thing. But does that hurt his draft stock any? You know, I, that's something I was thinking about too. Like, that's the pride factor. Like, you want to play left tackle because that's supposed to be your best tackle spot, right? So, for JC, I, to me, I mean, if he decides to go pro, which a lot of people think he will and be a first-rounder, you know, have to prove it at the combine. And But, listen – it, you'll know if teams think J.C. is better than the guy on the opposing side by which defensive end lines up against him. So, you know, if Will Anderson – you wanted to put Will Anderson on the weakest tackle. You didn't want Will Anderson going up against best because you want to create the biggest mismatch possible. So, if you know, if the number one defensive end for the other team or their jack linebackers lining up over J.C. nonstop, they may think Caden Proctor's a little better depending on – now, that's obviously not every formation, not every play, but that's kind of how it's played now. Um, so, you'll see, but listen, if he's physical enough, if his feet are good enough, which is why he did not play as a freshman, I think it was his feet. It had nothing to do with the physicality. It was more about getting set and pass pro and making things happen. But if those things are good enough, He'll be a first-rounder and potentially play left tackle in the NFL. But it could also be a testament to what they think they might be able to get this year out of Caden Proctor, and I hope it's more of that than the than the former. Yeah, and that's a good point. Maybe, you know, Caden has played there for three or four years of high school. So if they're asking him to step in and start instead of trying to teach him how to play right tackle and then J.C. how to play left, just, you know, do, do with where – go with what you've been doing. You know, JC's been on the right side and, and Caden's been on the left side and, and maybe that'll work out. Um, but yeah, you finally got an offensive line coach that really knows what he's doing and Eric Wolford and, and we trust him fully. Um, moving on to the running back position, Lester, you've got some horses, man. This is a, an Alabama backfield that looks a lot like 
you know, 2012 when he had all those horses back there with Kenyon Drake and, and TJ Yeldon, uh, Kamara. I mean, you know, Eddie Lacy, there was just, there was tons of them. And this is a, a year where really you could slot any one of the four or five that Alabama has, and they start just about anywhere in the SEC. You know, unfortunately at Alabama, only one or only one can play. And uh, when you come to Alabama to play running back, you're going to have to compete your ass off. And um, you're looking at, at something that's no different this year. What is your running back rotation this year? I think we can all kind of agree that Jace is going to take the first snap against Middle Tennessee State. But where do you kind of go after Jace? What, what, what's your lineup there? Yeah, um, definitely I'm going to start with uh, Jace for sure. Then um, I'm going to go with Roydale. So those those are your more two experienced guys. Like I said earlier, Saban loves his guys who've been there, been in the system, and things like that. So starting off with Jason Rodell, and I would go Jamarian Miller number three, but I think he's kind of nursing an injury right now, so that might knock him back a little bit. But behind them, you have Justice Justice Haynes and Richard Young, both freshmen, both you know elite guys for sure. So with those two, I mean, you can just – it's just a toss-up until Miller gets healthy. But, yeah, I'm going to go Jace Roydale, and uh, when he's healthy, going to put Miller at three. Now, Lester, is that what you think is going to happen, or is that who you want? Because my my list is exactly what you just said. I've got Jace Roydale, Miller, Haynes, Young. But Miller has been banged up all fall. And uh, so is that who you want? Who are your favorites? Do another list, or, or if that's what it is, then I mean, let me know. But who who do you want in the rotation? Um, I want – no, I want to see Haynes and Young touch the ball. But when you have three horses in front of me, it's going to be tough. Now, I do not – there is no reason why any of them shouldn't get – all five backs should get a touch against – Milton C State or whoever we're playing game one for sure. Um, you know, anytime you have two electric freshmen like that, um, uh, you'd love to see them touch the ball. But um when you know big gangers run around when it's not, you know, gonna be, you know, Milton C State or whoever, I think Roydale, you know, Jason Miller, those are gonna be your top three guys. Cause Saban, I, I just simply believe Saban just trusts them unless those two freshmen um, you know, break out or, you know, they're just Super elite, so or of course, you know, you got the injury bug, so you know, yeah. I, my, my favorite running back and tons of respect for Jace coming back. You know, he had the knee injury, he's he's right. he's made some big plays for us, and I think he can be a very good all purpose back. But my favorite is Jam Miller. I mean, I love Jamarian Miller every time he gets in the game, he runs hard, he's got low pad level. He looks like a running back. You know, it looks like an NFL running back. That short, stocky, going to punish you, you know, just the running back that we've always known here. And I love the guy. And I and he, so he's my favorite. But I'm going to have to go with Roydell at number two. Like you said, the senior factor is coming in. And and uh, I think Roydell has fumbling issues. I don't like him as a short yardage back. I mean, he almost blew the game against Texas last year. He tripped over his own feet on fourth down. Um, so he hasn't done enough positives for me to be able to, to slot him into that number two spot. And so I like Jason, then Jamarian Miller. Those would be my, my favorite, but yeah, my list is going to be just like yours. I think you're going to see Jason, then Roy Dale, and then Miller, if he's healthy, if he's not, then Haynes and then young J law, what is your running back rotation? And 
Who do you think it's going to be? And then who do you want it to be? Game one is going to be Jace, Roydell, probably Justice Haynes. Depending on this, when Jam gets healthy, I do think that he is one of the best backs on the team. And I really, just, I still don't even think with Justin Hate, Justice Haynes, that there's a lot separating these guys, right? I mean, everybody's already talking a lot about Justice Haynes. I think by the middle of the year, Roydell slips on the depth chart. Listen, Roydell, even two years ago, Roy, in the A&M game that we lost, Roydell came in and, like, made some big-time runs for us. But, man, when it's been game on the line, I need my running back to get six inches, and you you trip over your own feet and almost blow a massive road game to start out the year where Alabama had very little room for error last year anyways or the fumbling issues that Roydell has. Saban is not going to put the ball in a guy's hand that – that fumbles a lot. I mean, TJ Yeldon is like the the most that I could ever think that he handed the ball to somebody who would put it on the turf that often. Um, it's hard for me to picture Justice Haynes getting a lot of touches because it, if you even think about Derrick Henry 2013, the guy was a garbage time back, and he was the best running back to ever play at Alabama, and he was getting garbage time until we played Oklahoma. In a, in a meaningless bowl game. It's hard for me to see Justice Haynes getting just completely valuable touches with guys like, um, obviously, Jace is going to be RB1 and then Jam right behind him. Now, Justice Haynes will get valuable touches, but he is not going to get into, to me, the truly meaningful, valuable touches that we that we think about in big-time moments unless something happens to Jam or Jace, and which, is, which has been proven to happen. Jace has been banged up his whole career. Um, we were worried about Jace not being able to play in the Iron Bowl last year, and we were kind of worried about that game against Coach Caddy. So um, I, I I think of who I like and who I want are pretty much the same, but I do th- I would love to see Justice Haynes get a lot of touches and a lot of carries. I do think he'll be one of the best backs. It's just hard to me to envision Saban pushing that freshman to the very front of the line when you do have quality running backs in front of him. Breakout players this year. Um, I asked you guys to jot down two from the offense, two from the defense. Hopefully, we'll get some some different uh, some different opinions here. Lester, going to you first. Starting on the offensive side of the football, give me your two. And remember, I said it can be regardless of position. If you want to go, Caden Proctor, that's fine. Would love for him to break out that left tackle position because that means your quarterback stays off his feet or stays on his feet. Um, give me your top two offensive breakout players for the 2023 season. Yeah, um, Kevin Proctor is definitely on my list, but uh, yeah, just me just being a big focus on, you know, guys in the trenches, you know, having him step in and if he can play, he can ball out. That just means so much for this offense and this offensive line. We have a new quarterback, um, going to have an emphasis on, you know, running the ball more and things like that. If he can step in that spot, and not just start, but break out and be good to elite at that position, that's all the better for this team. And number two, um, when Tommy Reese was hired, um, everybody talked about the tight end position with him and how he liked to utilize it. So Amari Nyblack is going to be my other breakout guy. I'm not going to say that he's going to you know, catch a 1,000 yards, but I will say that he will have many – impactful catches, many impactful, you know, catch and runs for this team. He's I doubt he's going to lead the team in turnover and in touchdowns or things like that. 
But when he gets his hands on the ball, it's going to be very impactful. So I'm going to say Proctor and Night Black is going to be my two um, breakout guys. I mean, I think Night Black can be, you know, a Kyle Pitts type guy. Mm. You know what I mean? If mm -hmm. he comes out, you know, he, now he's going to have to win the position, obviously. But with Reese and his focus on the tight ends, if he can be good to, you know, be good to damn good, you know, Reese is going to put him in position to succeed. And you would I'm love pissed. a guy like that because he's kind of a hybrid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. I've always said a great to elite tight end is the biggest mismatch on the football field. Yeah, and even if even if maybe the receivers ha have struggles like they did last year, maybe you swap out right. one of them and just stick him out as slot receiver and try to get him matched up on a on a smaller DB or a bigger linebacker. Um, right. But you know, mine's a, my one of mine is actually a tight end also. But I'm going with the transfer from Maryland, CJ Dupree. Um, Dupree. You know, he he caught 30 balls last year, which doesn't might not seem like a huge number to you, but when you think about it and you break down stats, Cameron Latu last year also caught 30 passes, and it seemed like Latu was making a bunch of plays. I know you know there are some games where you really need Latu made some big time catches for us. And um, it seemed like he caught more than 30 passes, but he caught the same amount that Dupree did last year. Um, you know, the way, like you said, the way Reese likes to use the tight ends, I think Dupree actually gets a start over Nye Black. Um, and, and like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Nye Black made an appearance at a slot receiver before he does tight end, unless we go two tight end set. Um, but I think Dupree catches upwards of 40 passes in this Tommy Reese offense. Now, they're not going to be a lot of seam routes. You know, they're not going to use a tight end like Brock Bowers at Georgia. You know, it's going to be a lot of slide routes, you know, just throw it to him in the flat, try to get anywhere from three to eight yards, um, get it to a big guy, you know, let him punish some some smaller DBs downfield and um, and just kind of work like that. So I don't think he'll be the sole I don't think he'll be the the pass catching leader of the offense. He's not going to have the most receptions, but I do I do think that he uh, he catches forty plus balls for us. And you know my my other one is is going to be a wide receiver. I think Isaiah Bond takes a huge step forward. Um, I've been high on him since last year. Just looking at him and the way he runs through the drills, and you know he, he's he's got the speed that we all know about. He's from Buford, Georgia, and this guy. He's just – he's so smooth. You know, Ja'Cory Brooks is smooth. Kendrick Law is smooth. This guy has another level of smoothness about him. He's got a Devon, Devonta Smith-type smoothness about him. Not saying he's going to go off and be like the Slim Reaper and win the Heisman Trophy, but I think he's going to be far and away our best receiver this year. And so he is my breakout player. Regardless of who the quarterback is, I think there's going to be an emphasis on getting him the ball downfield and um, or at really all levels of the field, I think he is your biggest playmaker on the outside this year. JLo, who do you have for your uh, your top two offensive breakout players? Yeah, so I completely agree with you. I think we see a lot of um, Nye Black and Dupree, and I think that that's when you you're going to see more double tights with an athletic tight end like Nye Black as opposed to maybe with that. Robbie with Don't Robbie Oops, but it's going to put it's going to stress those oh. linebackers man I'm just saying if if not black you know, I, you know I had nightmares of that formation so please don't bring it up but if if not black is one of the two I'm okay with it. at least yeah. you have a threat but 
I'm going to say, listen, Seth McLaughlin is one of my breakout players. And you can say, Jeremy, he's already slated to start this year. You got to remember, the last two years, Seth McLaughlin has only touched the field due to Darian Delcourt injury. It, that is the reason why they put him out there. The team valued Darian Dalcourt at center more than they valued Seth McLaughlin. I think that by the end of this year, Seth McLaughlin plays his way into the NFL. He's put on healthy weight. He's already 6'3", six, 6'4", six, as a center. I really think they're going to like Seth McLaughlin in this year. I think he's going to play great football for us. I think he's going to do all the things pre-snap to get us ready. So I think that by the end of this year, Seth McLaughlin is going to be one of the best offensive linemen that we have, and he's really going to improve that center spot from the last couple of years. I was also going to say Nye Black. Um, I was really excited about his first um, practice the other day that everybody got to watch. I think there's going to be an emphasis to throw the ball to the tight end. But let me throw a receiver there right now that not everybody's throwing out in the starting rotation. It's a guy that shares the same last name as me. I think Kendrick Law is a guy that plays physical. At the end of the last year, Saban was talking about how unselfish he is. When they put him in there and they ask him to block, he's going to block. They ask him to run around, he's going to run around. The guy helped us convert a third and 20 last year in the Iron Bowl, a big play right before halftime. I think we threw it to Jacory Brooks a couple plays later to score a touchdown. Maybe it was a slant to Treshawn Holden. Well, it was one of those drives, but... Kendrick Law, I think, is a guy that could come in and play really good football for us. The problem with any Alabama receiver is, you know, there's if, if we like the tight end as much as we'd like the tight end in Tommy Reese's offense, I mean, you're not going to have, you know, four wides on the field a lot. So it's going to be tough playing time. A lot of guys aren't going to have a lot of wiggle room for error. But I think Kendrick Law, even in a, in a even in a role where he doesn't start a lot, I think that Kendrick Law is going to make a lot of big plays for Alabama when he gets on the field this year, and he's going to be a name looking at the 2024 that people are going to be really excited about to step onto the field. Surprised, J-Law, you didn't go with uh, the Juco guy? or I mean, no, no love from Malik Benson? Well, it, it's hard for me to get, like, I didn't want to go – the one of the quarterbacks because I think any right. of the quarterbacks could have like a really good shot saying Justice Haynes to me would have been lazy because five star and Malik Benson if you were a five star I probably wasn't going to say you unless you were Amari Black because the guy did not sniff the field last year at all with some of the expectations that he had but no I think Malik Benson is going to be really good this year too I've also been high on him the whole time so I don't think it would have been fair to throw him out as a as a breakout guy Flipping over to the defensive side of the football, Lester, two breakout players for you, 2023. Go. All right. I'm going to go with who I wanted to be, um, Jaheim Otis. Um, like you guys know, I love my guys in the trenches. If he can be elite, step up, and just be a plug in the middle, that frees up so much, especially in a Kevin Steele defense where you're going to be aggressive you're going to be coming after guys. You're going to be running guys down. If he can step up, be elite. Um, he's a sophomore, so this be you know year two for him. Um, he dropped all that weight coming into his freshman year. You know now it's time to tone up, get stronger, get faster, get better going into year two. So Otis is uh, one for me, and um, geez, I wrote down like five or six, but uh, Caleb Braswell. I want that guy to be really good. Um, I think he's kind of had the Braswell. injury bug. Chris Braswell. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Braswell. Um, kind of had the injury bug, but 
you know, he plays the guy, gets there, gets pressure. He's a senior, um, a little older than probably most of the guys that you guys are going to list off. But, you know, Sterling has a chance to be an impact guy on the other side of Dallas Turner. Brazzle is one of mine too, so I'm going to go in a different direction because I don't, don't want to just have the same the same. I mean, you know, like you know, like, like you said, man, he's been behind some horses, and you know, Dallas Turner came in when Brazzle was a little banged up as a true freshman and and really right. played well. Kind of was playing so well, you really can't take him off the field. And people forget, you know, Brazzle was a five star as well, and right. you know, for him to hang around that that says a lot to me. And and uh, and yeah, I really think that he explodes this year, but. I'll go another D-line guy. I'm going to go Tim Smith just mm. because at some point it's got to click, right? Alabama's had so many defensive line issues, especially on the interior. At some point, something's got to click with somebody. I hope you're right on Otis. I would love for him to see to see him take another step forward. But Tim Smith is another five-star guy that really has gotten his share of reps and really hasn't done anything with them. So hopefully we see some development on the defensive line with him, and I would love for it to click to give us, you know, four or five strong rotational defensive linemen on the interior. Um, my other my other guy was Terion Arnold at, at corner, and this guy really struggled last year. He got busted up against Texas. Sartre was just all over him. Um, I think there was a couple of games last year where they say that um, Kool-Aid didn't even have a pass attempted to his side of the field. And so we talked last week about Kool-Aid locking one side of the field down. I think Terry on Arnold really steps up. Um, making the switch from safety to corner last year it was tough. You know, he redshirted his freshman year. So this year in year three, uh, he um, – I, I think that he takes takes a, a giant leap forward and really locks down both sides of the field. You know, locks down the field opposite Kool-Aid. And, and if you do that, then just watch out because there's really nowhere to go. Uh, and especially with the heat that I think Kevin Steele will put on quarterbacks. If you get a push from your interior defensive line and you have two lockdown corners, there's really nowhere for you to go. Um, and so those are, those are my two. We'll go, we'll go Tim Smith and Terry Arnold. Jay Long, give me your two defensive breakout players. Man, you hear so many things about guys on defense, especially on the defensive line, because they rotate so much and they always have under Saban. I mean, we were hearing about Isaiah Hastings last week, the guy from Canada that I think moved to Florida and played football for one year, and the guy's huge, six six, like three fifteen, coming out of high school. Uh, they're talking about him. Um, I'm gonna go breakout though. So my rules on five stars is they have it. They've had to be at Bama a few years and not do anything to be on my list, kind of like uh, um, Nye Black or my one of my breakouts here, Demon Payne. I think Demon Payne puts it together. Like I said, dude, somebody's got to put it together. Tim Smith, Demon Payne, Otis, I thought he put it together last year. I just didn't think he had any help, and he just didn't have the, the gas to go for a full game as a freshman after being as big as he was in high school. But I'll say Demon Payne, like they, they're talking about him. They like him, former five-star. You, you don't get a fifth star for nothing. It's either you need more time to put it together or you're just an absolute bust. And I don't think he's a bust. So I'll go Demon Payne on the defensive line. Um, I don't think it's fair to go to Hyde Campbell at linebacker because, I mean, he was sit behind Henry Tolotolo last year. Uh, so it'd be kind of, you know, not fair to say he couldn't have been a breakout player the year before. So I won't go there, although I really like Campbell to be my second linebacker. Let's go Devontae Smith. I know they're talking a lot about him right now, but dude comes out of absolutely nowhere 
at least right now, it looks like he's taking over one of those top safety spots. And I think that gives this Alabama defense a lot of versatility, whether they what they want to do at, at star, when they play dimed, is it Malachi Moore? You can get Earl Little in the mix. You got Jalen Key from UAB. I think not only from a playing perspective, people are going to say, dang, the defense of Devontae Smith is a heck of a player for us. Where did he come from? But one, one more quality player on the back end of that defense, which to us was a question mark, especially when they started bringing in UAB transfers, like with Jonathan Auburn from getting that UAB defensive line transfer a year ago, we were like, dude, Jalen Key's coming in to play safety. This this can't be good. But if he could step up and actually be, you know, you're one of your full-time guys, whether you're in your base or your nickel or whatever that is, you can add more guys that to play to be more versatile when you do have to go more defensive back. So I really like Devontae Smith as a, one of my breakout players on defense, along with Demond Payne. I think those are two names we're going to be thinking at the end of the year. Man, those guys play good football for Alabama. J-Law, you mentioned this last week when we were talking about DBs. Uh, do you think that and, – and you kind of ask your – you kind of have to ask yourself the question, did Earl Little die? I mean, what happened to this guy? Do you think that Devonta Smith getting a ton of reps at safety is a result of – him developing and really him, you know, it kind of clicking with him, or do you think, or maybe Earl, Earl Little isn't developing at the rate at which they thought he would? Man, and you never know, like, do college kids get in trouble? College kids get banged up and have an injury that we don't know about. A college kid can miss a class or get, so like, you never know why somebody's not out there, but all last week, Devontae Smith seemed to be out there, and then he ran out there at the first scrimmage, and I think he was out there in practice photos from Monday, at least Monday. So, like, they really like him, and that does – like I was even talking about Earl Little being good enough to step over and play that extra corner spot if you well, needed him Yeah, to. I mean, and, he, he started there all spring. He was at least a star position. I mean, he was with these – the he was with the ones in every scrimmage that we had in the spring. Yeah, so that's, that makes me wonder if Devontae Smith just hit an extra level. Or did Terion Arnold step up well enough where you didn't have to move or a little over? Um, is, did Malachi Moore just step up and, like, take that leadership role as well? Like, it makes you think. Um, heck, you also have, dude, I don't think they brought Trey Amos in to, to ride the bench either. I think it's because they didn't have a lot of faith in Terion Arnold, and if they could bring in a 6-2 corner with some long arms to play that position – that could be better than Terry on to put him out there. Like, I'm not even – like, Terry on Arnold could very easily finish this year as one of the breakout players on defense, but there's just so many questions about who's going to be where on Alabama's back end of the defense that it's really hard to pinpoint anything right now. Yep, can't wait. And, you know, we'll have more questions answered. Not all of them, but we'll have a, more questions answered. They're saying that Ty Simpson really had a good week of practice. Um, I know you, you guys are – maybe Matthew sent us a, a tweet of that. And um, so, you know, we'll see how this second scrimmage goes on on Saturday, and uh, we'll have more information on that next week. And, uh, you know, next week we get to start breaking down the schedule. It's getting closer and closer, three Saturdays away. Next week it'll be two, and then it'll be one. And uh, so we appreciate everybody stopping in to get some positional breakdowns. Uh, it's episode 84, the Gumpiners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law, we're out.